You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. was coming back to the Lord, as David was once again seeking the Lord with his whole heart, even though he had sinned and he was suffering consequences for sins, we see the Lord answering his prayers mightily. This should give us hope when we sin. This should give us hope that when we too sin and we come back to the Lord, when we confess our sin, when we repent of our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when we come back to the Lord and seek Him, He will answer our prayers. In today's message, Pastor Dave will remind you that God is a forgiver. Oftentimes when we make mistakes, we tend to think of God as angry with us or He won't listen to our prayers. This couldn't be farther from the truth. When you fall short, pray to God. Just as His Word says, He will never turn His back on you. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 17 as he begins his message, Preparing for Civil War. We're going to be in chapter 17. We're going to finish chapter 17 from 15 through 29. So if you'll open up your Bibles to 2 Samuel 17, verses 15 through 29. It's been a lot of fun going through the book of 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel, let's see what we got here. 17, verses 15 through 29. 29. Okay. So, as we've been reading through chapter 17, a civil war is brewing. A civil war in the nation Israel is brewing. The nation Israel has been once again divided. Battle lines have been drawn between the true and anointed king David and Absalom his, Absalom, his rebellious son, who wanted to usurp the throne from his father. David, wanting to avoid bloodshed, quickly left the city with his family and those who still supported him. And as they made their way out of Jerusalem, they went up on the Mount of Olives, and David stopped, and he looked back on Jerusalem, and he prayed, and he worshiped the Lord. Absalom had entered Jerusalem and seated himself upon his father's throne. And to show complete disdain for his father, he went into his father's concubines on the roof of the palace in front of all of Israel. He went into these concubines and had sexual relations with them, showing all of Israel that he was committed to this rebellion. And he left no doubt behind. And unfortunately, by doing this, he closed all the doors for reconciliation. All the doors were now closed for reconciliation between he and his fathers. We must be ever, ever careful about our actions towards others. We should never close the door to restoration, reconciliation, because God doesn't. God never closes the door to reconciliation. God never closes the door to restoration. 
when Absalom went into these concubines, it was not only a show of strength, he was declaring himself king, but little did he know that he was actually fulfilling prophecy. The Lord God himself, through the prophet Nathan, had told David that this was going to happen back in chapter 12. So he was an unwitting accomplice to fulfilling this prophecy that the Lord had set up. It was part of David's consequences for his sin. But while David was on the Mount of Olives praying and worshiping, the Lord answers his prayer. He immediately sends in Hushai and Ziba to strengthen the king, to give him encouragement and to bring much needed supplies because David needed friends at this time. Many were deserting the camp and David felt all alone. His one-time dear friend and one-time dear counselor, Ahithophel, became a traitor and joined forces with Absalom. And he advised the king to go ahead and attack David and destroy him in the plains. Hushai, who was David's spy and informant, advised otherwise, and he won the approval of Absalom, thus answering David's prayer once again in 2 Samuel 15, verses 31. So as David was coming back to the Lord, as David was once again seeking the Lord with his whole heart, even though he had sinned and he was suffering consequences for sins, we see the Lord answering his prayers mightily. This should give us hope when we sin. This should give us hope that when we too sin and we come back to the Lord, when we confess our sin, when we repent of our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when we come back to the Lord and seek him, he will answer our prayers. He will answer our prayers just as he's doing right now for David. And we see this clearly in the scriptures. So David's army and Absalom's army were poised for battle. This is a war that neither the father nor the son could win. It was a war where there would be no winner. You might ask, why? Well... If David wins, it would mean the death of his son and his one-time counselor, Ahithophel. If Absalom is victorious, it would mean the death of his father, David, and other members of the family as well. You might think about that. Today we would call it a catch-22. It's no winners. It's a crazy situation. But there was something missing from Absalom's camp. There was something missing from Absalom's camp. Whereas Absalom trusted in his charm, his good looks, his long and flowing hair, his popularity, his strength in his numbers, and his friends Ahithophel's advice, David was trusting in the Lord. Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. David trusted solely in the Lord. He knew that the Lord was on his side. Why? Because he had a covenant with God. He had a covenant way back with God. God had made him a covenant and said that one would sit on your throne forever. And David knew he was speaking of the Messiah. So there was a covenant that David had with God. During this time, many, many psalms were written, particularly Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 61. Psalm 61. 
Psalm 61 is believed to have been written when David was in exile because of Absalom's rebellion. And I want to read through these simple eight verses and hear what David has to say. Now remember, David's thrown out of the kingdom, thrown out basically of the promised land. He's been thrown out. He left Jerusalem behind. He left the Mount of Olives behind. And he's well now near the Jordan. He's well now encamped around the Jordan River, way out in the boondocks. His group is small. He doesn't know how many he has. His friends have left him. He's feeling all alone. He's got no place to turn. But he turns to the Lord. And listen to what he says. Hear my cry, O God. Attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth, I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. And I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. For you, O oh God, have heard my vows. You have given me a heritage of those who fear your name. You will prolong the king's life. His years are as many generations. He shall abide before God forever. Oh, prepare mercy and truth which may preserve him. So I will sing praise to your name forever that I may daily perform my vows. Wow. It's interesting. The Hebrew word used for cry here means intense. Actually, it's a wail. He's saying, hear my loud wailing, O Lord. Have you ever seen pictures of the Hasidic Jews or the Orthodox Jews at the wall, the Western Wall? And they're sitting there, they're going like this. You know, there's a reason they call it the wailing wall. Because their prayers is, oh, Lord, help us. Oh, Lord. I mean, their voices are strained, and they're, they're crying out to God. They're, they're crying out to their Lord. They're crying out to God. And, you know, you read through scriptures, and you see that David was the kind of guy that when he was in trouble, he really let go. I mean, read through the Psalms. When David was in trouble, man, he never held back. I mean, a lot of times you see him, Lord, get those guys. Crush them and kill them. Take them away. They hate you really bad. Go get them, Lord. Come on, you can do it. And David never holds back. And I love that about David. I love his honesty with God. God knows your heart anyhow, right? God knows your heart. When you're sitting there thinking that you want somebody strangled in your guard, oh, Lord, please save them. You know, God knows your heart. He knows what's going on in your heart. So he's crying, David's crying out, Lord, get him. You know, some people are pretty reserved, but not David. When he was in trouble, man, everybody knew about it because he was crying out to the Lord, wailing, oh, Lord, hear my cry, attend to my prayer. Hear my wailing, oh, Lord. David was out of the promised land just about, and he feels like now he's at the end of the earth. From the ends of the earth, I cry out to you. From the ends of the earth. Sometimes we have those experiences which we feel like we're at the end of the world. We feel like there's no place else to go. We're on a precipice and we're standing there looking down at this huge pit. There's no place else to go. And the Lord says, I got you right where I want you. I got you right where I want you, right at that edge. Because now you can't but turn to me. You have to turn to me. Man, we've been there. How many of you have been at that edge when you go, this is it. I'm done. This is it. It's over. I'm as deep as I can get. 
I can't go any further. But David knew what to do with an overwhelmed heart. David knew what to do with an overwhelmed heart. And in this instance, David is a type of Jesus who also gives us a remedy for the broken heart. You know where I'm going. John 14, David gives us a remedy, I mean, excuse me, Jesus gives us a remedy for the broken heart. In John 14, 1 through 4, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Moving on, Thomas says, what? We don't know where you're going. What do you mean we know where you're going? And he looks at Thomas, he said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Cure for a broken heart? The cure for an overwhelmed heart, according to David? The cure for a broken heart, according to the Lord? Faith. Faith. Believe. Faith. You believe in God? Believe in me. It's quite clear here. It's quite clear. There are many things that cause broken hearts. And our hearts can become overwhelmed, the loss of a loved one, financial problems, the loss of a job, the loss of health. There are so many things that can break our hearts in two and cause us to be overwhelmed. What do I do? What do I do? I'm at the end of my rope. There's no place else to go. Where do I turn? What do I do? The Lord's there standing like this. Come to me. Come unto me. Cast your cares on me because I care for you. Let's switch yokes. My yoke is easy. My burden's light. You don't have to carry this. I died on a cross for this. Every one of us are driven by circumstances, and sooner or later we come to the end of that rope. We have an experience. There's no place else to go. And this is the point is so important. Where are you going to turn when you come to the edge? Where do you turn when you come to the edge? It's so important that you get to decide where you go when you come to the edge. And unfortunately, too many of us decides, I gotta have that anxiety pill, I gotta have that moat, whatever, and I gotta have this, and I gotta have that. Too many of us say, I gotta have a joint, I gotta shoot myself up with heroin, I gotta have the bottle. Too many of you try to put things in there, I gotta go out and have promiscuous sex, I gotta go gamble until I don't have any more money, I gotta do all these things, I gotta look at pornographic. You try to, you're at the end of yourself, and the decision you make is so important. What do you do? Where do you go? To whom do you go to? If you're not going to Christ, you're going the wrong way. If you're not putting yourself in Christ's hand, you're going the wrong way. David says, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. The rock that's higher than I. Christ is the rock. He is the place of refuge. He is the place of strength. And there is security when we put ourselves and throw ourselves at the foot of the cross. There's security when we place ourselves in his control and his arms. Knowing and have confidence that he's going to do a work that he already started because he'll complete it. The place where I could be sheltered. I love that. I have to go back to, to uh, 61. Of course, I didn't tag it, so I've got to go back to find it here. Back in 61, there's a place here. 
I just love the, 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 the picture here. We talked about it before. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. And when you get that picture that Jesus says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I wanted to gather you like a hen gathers her chicks in their wings. That's the shelter we have in the Lord. When you turn to him in the midst of your time, when you have an overwhelmed heart and your heart is breaking and you've got no place else to go when you turn to the Lord, he gathers you into him and he pulls you close and he loves you like you've never been loved before. And he tells you how much he loves you and he speaks to you wonderful thoughts and wonderful things. We know that the rock is a symbol of Jesus Christ. Paul says that the rock is Christ. The rock is Christ. My heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock. What a comforting thing to know. That should comfort us. Knowing that he's there, he's available. All we have to do is cry out to him. All we have to do is turn to him. And when I come to the end, when I'm overwhelmed and I cry unto him, that rock is higher than I, praise God. And at that point, God begins his glorious work. God begins a glorious work. God brought many people of the Bible to the end of that road. Jacob. Jacob he brought to the end of that road. Many other people he brought to the end of that road. Samson he brought to the end of that road. Think of all the people in the Bible who had come to that point, come to that end before God could work. My heart is overwhelmed. I turn to God out of desperation. Praise God. At least you're turning to him. At least you're turning to him. Well, my heart is overwhelmed. And that becomes the beginning of God's glorious victory as he leads me to the rock that's higher than I. When I surrender, he's just beginning. When I surrender, he begins. And the good work, he begins. Now, all that to get to chapter 17. In chapter 17... We read these great words. Let's look at verses 15 and 16. Then Hushai said to Zadok and Abathar the priests, Thus and so Ahithophel advised Absalom and the elders of Israel, and thus and so I have advised. And now therefore send quickly and tell David, saying, Do not spend this night in the plains of the wilderness, but speedily cross over, lest the king and all the people who are with him be swallowed up. So it's as if Hushai thought that Absalom wasn't going to take his advice. It sounds like Hushai thought that Absalom was going to take the advice of Ahithophel. But in reality, we're going to find out that he does take the advice of Hushai. And we'll get to that in a minute. So David's spy network is working great. His friend Hushai, who met him on Mount Islands, the answered prayer, was now being that he was in good standing with Absalom. And, and he got there and he counterdicted Ahithophel's uh, counsel. You can read about that in 15, 35 through 36. David was, uh, Hushai was telling David, cross the Jordan. Give yourself some time. Get yourself organized because they're coming after you. They're coming after you. And this bought David valuable time. This allowed David to get organized for the battle, as we'll see next week. He gets ready for this time. And once again, God's hand is in the middle of all this. God's hand is in the middle of all this. Look at 17 through 22. Now, Jonathan Ahimaaz stayed at El En Rogal, 
Rogel, for they dared not be seen coming into the city. So a female servant would come and tell them, and they would go and tell the king. Nevertheless, a lad saw them and told Absalom. But both of them went away quickly and came to a man's house in Baharum, who had a well in his court, and they went down into it. Then the woman took and spread a covering over the well's mouth and spread ground grain on it, and the thing was not known. And when Absalom's servants came to the woman at the house, they said, Where are Ahimaaz and Jonathan? So the woman said to them, They have gone over the water brook. And when they had searched and could not find them, they returned to Jerusalem. Now it came to pass after they had departed that they came up of the well and went and told King David and said to David, Arise and cross over the water quickly, for thus has Ahithophel advised against you. So David and all the people who were with him arose and crossed over the Jordan by morning light. Not one of them was left who had, gone, who had not gone over the Jordan. I read through this, and you see these men searching for Jonathan and Ahimaaz, and they're hidden. Does this remind anybody of anything? Or is it just me? Two spies, Joshua, Rahab, the whole story. Remember? The two spies that were sent into the land, and, and Rahab hid them. Remember? Hid them for a while. This reminded me of that story, where they were hidden. These guys come back empty-handed, and Absalom's getting pretty cocky. He must have didn't give it any thought. He didn't even wonder or care. His pride was starting to get the better of him. So these two spies are hidden, and they go and they tell David everything that he needs to know, buying David some time. God's hand is in the middle of this, working everything out. And in the next verse, in verse 23, it's a strange verse to be put right there, but let's read it. Now when Ahithophel... Saul, that his advice was not followed, he saddled a donkey and arose and went home to his house, to his city. Then he put his household in order and hanged himself and died, and he was buried in his father's tomb. Interesting. This is really interesting. Now, first thing you're going to think of, what did you have a hissy fit? Because he didn't follow my orders. I'm going to go kill myself. No, I don't think that's, I don't think it gets deeper than that. I think it gets deeper than that. Most believe that he knew that Absalom was not going to take his advice, but he also knew that David would be the victor. Remember when he spoke, it was like an oracle from God, but we read about that in another verse. So many know, many believe that he knew that David would be the victor here. And if David was the victor, he was going to be hung as a traitor. He was going to be hung as a traitor. So he went home and killed himself. So why was he against David? We talked about it. Why was Ahithophel, I keep saying his name different every time, have you noticed? Why was he different, or why was he so against David? Because he was Bathsheba's grandpa. He was Bathsheba's pop-pop, remember? So he had this thing going on in him. What was it called? It was called a root of bitterness. You are a sure 
Our time with you is running short for today's edition of A Sure Hope. Pastor Dave Shank will continue this journey through 2 Samuel when you join us next time. But for now, you can listen to this teaching and others from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. We encourage you to download these messages so they are available wherever you are. We know how busy life can get, but there's always time to pause, even if only for a few minutes. Those short breaks could be filled with the study of Scripture, getting to know God better through His own Word. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for A Sure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. If you're looking for a church family and happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you join us for a time of worship and Bible study. Calvary Chapel Cape May meets weekly on Sundays at 10 a.m. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Or just visit assurehoperadio.com. If you're not able to join us in person, we are streaming our services on Facebook Live. Just follow the link you'll find at AssureHopeRadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message on Assure Hope. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the Word and that you discover God doing great things in your life. Pastor Dave will be back soon for another edition of Assure Hope.